This episode of Creativity in Captivity is sponsored by the Curtis Theater in Brea, California. Presenting Dawn Reed's The Never Too Late Show on Saturday, May 11th. Tickets are available at the Curtis Theater website. Get ready for insight and inspiration on the creative process from an array of artists, writers, and visionaries on May 9th, when Season 7 of Creativity in Captivity kicks off. In the meantime, please enjoy over 150 episodes hosted by Pat Hazel with a stable of creative guests in our listening lounge at creativityincaptivity.fun. This is Creativity in Captivity. I'm Pat Hazel. Today, I'm privileged to have the company of a Swedish inventor and product designer known for creating unique solutions to everyday problems. She's a prolific maker, a robotics enthusiast, and a TED talker. Her authenticity, ingenuity, and unique sense of humor have made her a YouTube sensation. Welcome the workshop wonderkind, content creator, and inventioneer, Simone Yetch. That spark of electricity, a skipping stone that sets you free, you're captive to a mystery. The curse of creativity. La, 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 Can you send me that intro so I can just copy paste it and put it on my website? <laughs> sure. I particularly like the inventioneer because that's what you are. Yeah. What is that? Is that a sandwich of um, inventor and engineer? Yeah. And I think it's kind of from the Imagineer family. I don't know another one, but I decided that I would declare you that. No, I, I like that one. I do really struggle to tell people what I do because it's it's such a hodgepodge of, of things, but maybe Inventoneer. Inventoneer is a good one. Or you could say hodgepodgeist. Hodgepodgeist. That it just sounds like an unemployed and <laughs> having true. a lot of side hustles. <laughs> yeah. Side hustler is a pretty good thing for people with a lot of hyphens. They yeah. sound like go-getters once you put hustle on it. I was introduced to you recently and I Googled your name and there was so much fun. Where I began was on your invention of the musical Yakety Yak Teeth. I do know what you're talking about. I, I made a music instrument out of uh, these like dental models that they have. So like these teeth are clacking and it's connected to a piano. So you can basically play a song by clacking teeth. And you describe it as an oddly satisfying nightmare fuel when you are working on it. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. I particularly like your honesty and your work ethic. You're aware that the finished product is not as important as finishing the journey. And all along the way, you're deconstructing it because whether something's succeeding or failing, you're taking people on that journey. Yeah. So I build things and sometimes or most often make YouTube videos about them. So for me, the outcome of every two project, there's kind of two outcomes. One is the project itself. That's like getting the teeth to clack connected to the piano, having it actually play a song. And then the second one is the video. And I mean, depending on the purpose of the project, those two are differently important but I'm definitely motivated a lot to like finish projects and like document the journey and push through because I have to have a video that's like how I justify going down these very arbitrary rabbit holes right. but they're a combination though of storytelling which is what the video is and sort of the adventure of building and having the vulnerability to dive into things that you have to explore along the way to find an, it may not be the outcome you expect, 
but you learn every step on every one of these, you're cumulatively learning more for the next project or the next idea. It's very off-road Ikea. <laughs> you're just going off-road from the manual and you're like, okay, we'll just see if this works out and if I find something that will actually serve me in the end or not. Well, I wonder if you relate to this because I, when I'm a writer I, or a comedian, I think the brainstorming, which is a lot of fun, having a bunch of different ideas, is not the genius. That's the sort of reckless fraternity dude that's daring you to fail. And then the next step in your brain is the talent scout, the one that has to sort out what's here is worth putting some time into. But that one's not really the most critical person. The talent scout gets down to, all right, this idea might be worth pursuing today. And then the real work is the day laborer, the person who succeeds and fails and continues. The most important part of the team seems to be the laborer that has to put in the hours. Yeah. Can I tell you what happened this morning? Yes, please, please. Since you are a professional comedy writer, I was at the grocery store and I bought a shallot and the, the cashier was like, oh, shallot. And I was like, you shall not. And he said, oh my God, are you a comedy writer? <laughs> Which I feel was the most undeserved compliment because I'm like that was not a good joke but thank you that that hit right in my ego in the good way yeah well maybe that person hasn't been to a lot of comedy shows so yeah you could singularly be the funniest person ever to come through the grocery line yeah maybe he was a baby alien fronting as a human and he was like wow shall not that is humor a wordplay <laughs> on shallot the onion that she's currently buying so yeah, maybe I have a shot to go into your field of work. Well, can I tell you that the opposite is more painful, which is when you are a professional comedian and you say some dumb thing at a restaurant, like I'll have the COD, I'm spelling out cod, and I go, do I pay for that when it arrives or whatever? I try some joke and they go, don't quit your day job, buddy. And I go, but that is my job. A horrible dad pun is like the worst thing a comic can do. Yeah. Have you had any recent joke belly flops? I'm, I've moved into really true storytelling comedy. By that, I mean an incident happens, something I recount. I have two young sons and they're fighting over chocolate. And I overhear one say they're trading, I guess, maybe it was Halloween or Easter or something. And one says, I hate dark chocolate. And the other one says, it's still candy. You got to respect that. This is like the dream come true for a guy who needs comedy is just to overhear things funny around you. And so I find like the good thing about that kind of comedy is the guy right before you on stage isn't going to tell that joke. When it comes from some kind of a fountain of youth in your own house, you're the only one with that recipe. So, Yeah, so maybe I need some kids. I think that's a great reason to make kids is just to like – be like, hey, I need you to infuse comedy into my life, please. I need you to write jokes for me and to introduce a level of chaos that I can exploit for storytelling. It used to be in the 50s they had kids to mow the lawn and shovel the walk, but now yeah. you need them for premises. I need you for content. As a content creator, it is something, and I'm not I'm not planning to have kids anytime very soon, but you're definitely like, would I put them on the internet? Because that stuff feels really boy. Yeah, no, that's a real dilemma for people. I mean, some people don't seem to care, but I would say it's really kind of odd and dangerous these days just to even have pictures of a kid on Facebook, you know? I'm not thinking from like a safety standpoint necessarily, but also from like 
your kid when they're like grown up being like why the fuck did you do that yeah. mom how, <laughs> how could you exploit me in that way or like post photos of me as a child without my permission but yeah so maybe i should just stick with dogs because they they don't know how to speak up for themselves and <laughs> can exploit them all i want yeah your dog is a part of your dream team there in the workshop. Does it often introduce more problems or solutions? Oh for gosh, you? oh gosh, Pat. The thing is, as a professional problem solver, who's always on the lookout for problems, she has introduced a spectacular amount of issues into my life that I have like been trying to design my way around. Yeah, it is not an easy relationship right now. We're in a tough spot in, in, our, in our relationship, my dog and I. It is interesting that she has made me design so many things. Like the chair I'm currently sitting on is this chair that has a staircase in the back of it because she constantly wants to get up and down to my lap. And I was like, there's so many pet owners with really needy pets who want to sit on their lap, but then they want to go down and then they want to get up. And, you know, it's like always a little bit hard to hold them. So I designed this chair just based off of her being really needy. And now I'm looking into turning it into a product. So it is especially when everybody was working from home it's like the cat wants to come up then it wants to go down and then it wants to go up and i'm like i i, I i'm just amazed that there is not pet friendly furniture you're way. onto something serious there and i would also say could you add to your brainstorming list some kind of a windshield wiper that keeps the cat off my computer so that it doesn't put its ass right up into the camera when I'm on Zoom. For the screen or for the keyboard or for both? I think more for the keyboard because that'll clear the screen. It's just that anything square that you want to write on a pad or whatever, that's where your cat sits. It's a pain. It's just a giant pain, including my desk chair. Can we go down another route, though? Could you make a cat bed that looks like a computer and that is heated? So you have like a decoy computer oh, that, that they can go I like on. that. Yeah. Now you're doing something that I find is fantastic among makers and magicians, which is that you look at the problem from multiple solutions. And it's not about this is really a problem. It's just what method am I going to use to solve it? That I love that about makers is that in your head begin to checklist, oh, what if I look at it from a different angle? Does that pose a problem in everyday life when you walk around on the, on the streets? Yeah, because I mean, this this applies to like relationships as well, where it's like something's a little bit off or, or there's an issue in a relationship between two completely or people that are not me. And I just immediately go into problem solving mode and I'm like, we can do this and we can do that. And sometimes you're like, it's not the time for me to like be creative and solutions around this. And I think it's mostly a, a good thing, but like it goes for also being like okay i need a way to communicate this thing with my partner that might be like you know like how do you communicate that you for example need space without it being hurtful and i'm like okay we have these hand signals and that kind of makes it like a you and me thing where we're like oh we got a secret language we're connected but also i can communicate these thing that's like hey i need some space so I'm, i feel like i'm constantly in that like can we think about this differently i'm from sweden but i live in los angeles and when my family comes to visit me it was an issue because i have like a two-day shelf life and after that i need long time and if not i'm super cranky so and i kept on being like okay i just need to try harder i need to want to have them here i want to have them in my home and then i'm like 
or maybe I can solve it with architecture. So I got like a camper that's in my front yard now. That's like my little motel and I put them there. I know I saw that and I saw the rehab you did on and I mm -hmm. saw your mom's visit and the, yeah. <laughs> and the addition of the couch was amazing. It's a really super savvy solution because they can live in the campground in the yard. Yeah. And I don't have to see them, which is great, but it feels like, yeah. So the like problem solving and like the maker aspect of it, I feel like applies to so many different parts of my life where I'm like, okay, what if instead of trying harder, I try differently? Yeah. I love that. And I guess I'm curious about your creative process because you are a content creator. So one day builds are seem to be a lot of fun where it comes to having a, a variety of things to happen. So what's the frequency of a one day build to maybe a project that takes longer? Never one day builds. I am no Adam Savage, Pat. <laughs> okay. I am a slow builder. It is a laborious process. I am also a perfectionist when it comes to the content that I'm making. So I don't think I've ever done a one day build. Honestly, it always it's like ends up being like a two month build two months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also because like the projects that I want to do, it's often explorations of things that don't really exist yet. And it just takes a long time. One of the things that changed in the last couple of years for me, in part because of the pandemic, actually, is that suddenly I could spend a lot more time on my builds. Whereas before I would rush through them and just get them done for camera and like not be super happy with them. But now I'm like, I can actually take the time to learn how to do it properly and like slow things down and enjoy the process a little bit more. I mean, as much as it's like an emotional dumpster fire most of the time, one of the big privileges of my job is that I can take my time and I definitely want to exploit that the most I can. I was surprised uh, two days ago with a package that arrived and it was mm -hmm. your everyday calendar, yeah, which is so amazing. And so I'm gonna pump it up a little bit, but I'd like to ask you some questions. And I, I want the audience to hear and try to understand if you can imagine like an elevator button pad to like Willy Wonka skyscraper. There's 365 buttons on this thing that represent every day of the year. So it's kind of a gold star system where you, if you accomplish what it is, you can use the calendar in any number of ways for dieting, for paying off debt, for exercise, for nutrition, for yoga. And if you accomplish that goal in the day, you get to depress the button, which lights up and stays lit. And each day that you achieve your goal, you're shooting for a string of lights like a Christmas at the end of the year, where you hit every day and the days you miss, I guess the way I've already used it for around three days. So I want to- Oh, really? I have. I, what I, are you tracking? Well, I did. Here's what I did. I kind of added a system to the system. I made a friend to it because I thought, you know, there's not just one thing I need to do. There's several things. So on either side of it, I put a stack of index cards. Some were positive, some were negative. Okay. Now I have four cards on each side. And my theory is that if I accomplished three of the cards in any order, I can depress the button. So a 45 minute walk counts, but that's only one of three. And that's to, that's to push myself a little bit further. But the notion here is that this is a utility device that is, it's a little bit of an attaboy abacus where you get to kind of applaud yourself when nobody's around, but it's also very stimulating to go, oh, I've created this pattern. And basically you're building habits. You're either constructing or deconstructing something you really need attention to. 
So my, I hope I'm close on that, but I'm really fascinated by it. It's really well built. It feels like nice to the touch. And you even thought about having a dimmer light so that you can sleep when you, your goal gets really good. It's not like you're in the middle of Times Square. Yeah, mine, mine is starting to light up my bedroom too much. So I'm having to like turn it off or dim it all the way down. I guess you could refer to it as like interactive accountability art because I mean, I made this, this is once again, me trying to create a problem solve an issue that I had. And it was that I really wanted to meditate every day, but I'm like, how do you stick with it beyond a week? And how do you build a streak in a way that feels meaningful? And, you know, there are all these apps to help you do things, but like, I don't like apps. And I kept on making these like grids in my notebooks. So I would have little boxes to check. And then I was like, okay, but what if I had something that I could hang on my wall that reminded me of that I needed to meditate every day. And also if I don't meditate one day, there will be one day that's like not lit up and that is gonna bother me. I was trying to tap into my hobby OCD and see if I could exploit it for my own benefit. And it's it's really interesting because now, I mean, we've shipped this like thousands of calendars around the world and people are using it in ways I'd never expected. I actually have a, have a friend who's in a long distance relationship and they're using it to count down until they get to see each other again, which is also really sweet, yeah. I have two on my wall now. I'm using one for meditating every day. And then I use one where if I exercise more than eight times in a month, I get to buy like a piece of exercise equipment, like a new sports bra or whatever. And it's really, it just like the visual aspect of it and the commitment that you make to it. I don't know. It's It's been a little bit hard to market this product for me because it's a product in some way that takes itself very seriously. Like it's very like tap into your positive changes, la la la, psychology. And me, who I, I'm self-deprecating to a fault and always want to like throw in jokes and take things down and beat people to the criticism. Yeah, I remember when we started doing the campaign, I'm like, how do I communicate about this without it sounding so pompous? I'm going to help you because I have two people that I think already talk about this, but you've made it really come to life with the accountability part. So I worked with Jerry Seinfeld for a number of years, and Jerry has a productivity hack. Haven't heard of him. Sorry. Yes, not, not many people have because of his low profile. <laughs> but one of the things that he does is he refers to it as don't break the chain. You know, what he used to do is he had a big all-year wall, wall calendar that he had used a red Sharpie, and he would X through a day that he did. And the thing that he pressured himself was don't break the chain. So it's the streak you're talking about. And, you know, I'm just saying the premise is now you've made a digital way that you don't have to take up the whole wall. When you use a red Sharpie, that's like prison calendar. You have to make hash marks all over about how long you've been in the cage. And this is quite a bit different. This almost looks like a kino board at a casino where once it's all lit up, you know you win. All right, the second person that I wanna share a quote with because it has to do with habit building, is Twyla Tharp, who was a choreographer and a dancer. And she says that all it takes to make creativity a part of your life, and that can be replaced with anything to make any discipline a part of your life, is that you just have to have the willingness to make it a habit. And in order to make something a habit, you have to do it consistently. And that's what you have here. So this is less, the word calendar is a little deceiving. 
I mean, I don't even know if Hallmark is selling calendars anymore. The idea of it being a accountability machine, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Um, there's a book that was written called A Slight Edge. And the thing about The Slight Edge is that doing one little small thing every day is going to make the curve go up and doing something or not doing something is going to make it flatline or go down. And that slight edge is always growing. So each day you're moving towards something that's naturally upward. But you've now found the tool that can help people keep track of the slight edge or the atomic habit or whatever that is, not breaking the chain. And so the last part for this thing to go everywhere is for you to figure out the, the words, the marketing words to say. Because once it's in the hands of users that can understand what it is, it's a beautiful self-help device. Yeah. No, it, ha it has been finding the marketing. Because also what I realized as like a content creator is that I'm good at creating content. I'm not great at selling things. And it, cause it's such a different world and such a different world of copywriting and of communication. And yeah, I mean, even just the name, the everyday calendar, cause I did a Kickstarter for it in 2018. And that's like the everyday calendar. Plus it's ironic cause it doesn't even have February 29th. Oh. So, <laughs> which yeah. a surprising amount of people have been upset about. I was looking at it, trying to think of ways to cheat. Yeah, it's not my nature. But when I was a kid game player, I would memorize the wood grain on the back of the Scrabble tiles with the higher numbers. And you know, you look at things and you want to figure out how to hack it. But because of the method that I'm using, which is the pick three, I can if I miss a day, and another day I pick three and do that twice, I can I feel like I can go back and salvage my chain. So it would be the same, I guess, if you over meditated on one of yours. Yeah. I mean, whatever works for you. I, I try not to do it that way that you can like catch up in a way because I do think the daily aspect of it is really important. I just realized for myself, like if I, if I started accepting excuses for myself, like then I would do that. I want to show you a picture of something I pulled out of one of my sketchbooks that I thought you might like. It's the pool table couch. Oh, wretched. It's a folded in half pool table where you use the sort of pockets as your cup holders. So this was a sketch I had. And some years later, when I was making a an apartment setting for a special I called My Life in 3D, I showed it to these dudes and they brought in a pool table guy and they made it for me for this one little environment. That's what I love about the sketchbook part of the fantasy is that if, as long as you record things, you don't have to draw them well, you don't have to whatever, but there were several things in that book. There was the grandfather clock aquarium. It's the idea of combining any two interesting things. It's the unholy union of two objects. Thank you. That's what I meant. Right. Yeah. I made a, a paper shredder that looks like a brain. So you put in the paper between the brain halves and it kind of shreds the brain. That was modeled off of my own brain scans. I saw that and it was amazing what you went through and how you assembled that. That's what's so fun about watching your stuff is, well, the idea may be seem far-fetched. It seems to be within the boundaries of what we can believe because you are actually setting on that adventure. I love those types of projects. I did, yeah, a table out of matches. And that was just, I pulled notes out of like a hat and been like, okay, can I make a coffee table out of matches? And it sent me on like a month long design hunt to try to 
consolidate these two ideas together and, and marry them. So like pool table couch right right in there. But were there soft cushions though? And they could were. you fold it out and then use it as a pool table? No, we didn't have it where you could play pool anymore. We made soft green felt cushions. There were several things in that apartment. Uh, let me tell you the one that was the most interesting and the probably the most expensive and time consuming was my entrance because it was called My Life in 3D. I wanted to go to the third floor to go in the apartment. So they made me a metal fire escape that was three stories. So when they, when the theater, when I walked in, I had groceries in one hand. I was all bogged down the way you would be coming home with my car keys in my hand. And I went up the metal fire escape. And as I was going up the metal fire escape, it was dropping down into the pit in at the theater. So that when I got to the door at stage level and was going to go through it, I reached for my keys and they heard them fall three stories down into the pit, which was hilarious. My arms were holding the groceries and then I just sort of pushed the door open and went in. But then the door vanished and I was in the setting. So a big elaborate thing. Never thought they would do it. When I said to them, what about this crazy idea? To have guys with an amazing shop and the ability to weld and that one other loose hinge that we all have, which is, wouldn't this be funny or weird to do this? That's the magic extra pill that makes you make uh, something unique or quirky or offbeat. But I think it's also just, I mean, it's, it's one of the main privileges of us being in the roles that we are is that we get to follow these whims and they actually have a chance of coming to fruition because I think a lot of people have really funny weird ideas but there's just no context for them to make it and what I'm really happy for myself is that I've created a context where I get to follow these whims and like I have an excuse to go down all these things have I made a three-story fire escape that gets sucked into a stage no these are the kinds of things you can do because your mind thinks that way yeah, but also I have the metaphorical day laborers that we were talking about where it's like you both have the idea and the critic and the day laborers. Like I, yeah. I, I got a good team in my, my own head to do you all do. of this. And some stuff, it's funny to say, and you know, I, you know, like I was thinking about something that converts eye rolling into usable energy mm -hmm. so that if a husband or wife rolls their eyes, at least they're fueling some other part of the home. What about scrolling? Oh, even better. Because I've been thinking about like, can I turn scrolling into something? Oh, even better. Yeah. Yeah. Because people are in constant motion like that. So, you know, take down the Hoover Dam and just set a bunch of kids on their text yeah. on their telephone. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Or I've been thinking like, could I create like a thumb treadmill so I can train my thumbs to scroll right. better? Right. Like do a little boot camp for it i feel like a kind of little windmill or like a, a turbine in front of your mouth so whenever you sigh turn your sighs into usable energy i feel like there's at least an snl skit in this well i really love the, the scrolling though because it's the most current and relevant and the action in it nobody can say they don't do it so let's while we're doing this little fun brainstorming can i ask you to look into your phone notes and share some of the crazy upcoming ideas and good or bad i feel like this is a, a place for the listener to see how your brain is functioning well this is a level of vulnerability that i'm not sure i am ready for but let's let's do it okay i mean this is it's a it's a hodgepodge of, of things for example here is a joke 
that I've been waiting to find a place for, which is that nothing exfoliates your skin like burying your head in the sand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking if anybody ever accuses me of burying my head in the sand, I can just be like, yeah, look at my skin. Why, how do you think it's so clear? I remember I wanted to do an April Fool's joke. This one is just not good. But I wanted to do an April Fool's joke where I talked about that I'm going to release my sex tape, but then it's actual like gaffer's tape that just says sex on it. It's not great. And also, I don't want to like open up that door. Yeah, well, this is, this is similar. Erection whack-a-mole. Uh, <laughs> something. <laughs> or I wanted to do a series of petty pranks where you're like, in a yoga studio and on all the rental mats, everybody gets rental mats, but you put a little bit of oil on them. So it's just people who are like sliding around just a little bit or to invert the sensors in water taps. So in like a public restroom where they have like the automatic tap that when you put your hands in, it stops going. So it's just like infuriating. Oh, that's a funny prank. Funny enough for me to write it down, but not funny enough for me to actually do something about it well can i tell you what you should save some of these for and you may already be well into your simone yetch special or something but you need different links of content and how funny would it be to show a series of people and their reaction to the idea right so that one feels like a collection of responses make it a valuable moment yeah maybe well netflix you know where to find me send me a DM on Instagram. <laughs> I want to grow a pair of glasses out of wood. This one I think I might actually do that I could like, um, yeah, I'm thinking like if you can get the frame out of wood and you can have some like viney uh, wood and I can like kind of get them to grow into the shape of. Also lingerie on meat. I don't know why I wanted to write this down. Um, putting lingerie on, on slabs of meat. I bet it's some like vegan propaganda that I was imagining. Tiny funerals for insects. I do think this is fun that I would write, like make really ambitious funeral arrangements for dead insects around my hat. That hasn't been done by the way. I'm here to confirm that that one is not taken. Are you sure? Do you have a repository of all the things that humans have I, done? I did have a, a friend when I was a kid that had a, uh, uh, insect hospital that she made it was like a little dollhouse oh. which but in order to put anybody in there she had to like take the leg off a cricket you know what i mean no. she, had, she had to make her own patients i'm sorry it went from so sweet to so psychotic in just one sentence i understand but that's the last stop before they get to your funeral home so yeah it's actually a good business builder for you I, I was thinking of that, but maybe another version that I wanted to do was make funeral arrangements for everyday objects. So like make a casket for a toothbrush. And I think that is like interesting in some way because it's also like a kind of a commentary on how much stuff we throw away and how little thought we put into it. And just being like, what if we actually paid them with a lot of respect? Because like the toothbrushes that I have used in my life are gonna outlive me by hundreds of years. Like, they're still there somewhere. I have no idea where the toothbrush I used when I was five years old is, but it's there somewhere. Good point. Yeah, I like the commentary. So tell me about the th this commentary I'm curious about. You have a product in your store, and it was a, it was a really fun idea, and I just wanted to know a little bit behind the all-white puzzle. It's a 499-piece out of 500-piece puzzle, and it's completely white. So when they finish there's a missing piece, which I, I get several things here. I know 
that's the most frustrating thing of all puzzling is to get to that place and not be able to clean it. And that's also speaks to your OCD, but, but take me through the thought process of it a, a little bit. And I did watch the video afterwards. So I really liked when you put it in a gallery form, but, but take me to the beginning of that idea. Did you initially do it as a prank on somebody or? The beginning of the idea was that I was in the restroom in my old workshop in San Francisco peeing and I thought of it and I walked out to tell my friend who was there and I couldn't stop laughing for long enough to tell her. I mean, it started as this idea that I wanted to have this like beautiful white puzzle framed and there's a missing piece and then there's a little extra piece that's hanging off of a chain and as a, as a, person you walk up to it and you're like oh my god I get to complete the puzzle but then when you grab the puzzle piece and you try to put it in the hole it's the wrong puzzle piece and and from there the thought of selling an officially incomplete puzzle kind of sprung and also I'm just a sucker for like wanting to be the first person to do something and this is the world's first officially incomplete puzzle granted it's a little bit like people climbing mount everest and they're like we are the first uh french twins who also have curly hair and like brie to (laughs) climb mount everest it has to be so specific for you to be unique in it but i think that the easiest way to be at the top of your field is to choose a very small field I kind of went for it, which was a really funny set of discussions or conversations to have with the puzzle factory and just explaining how we wanted them to remove a puzzle. And now I have a giant box in my workshop of everybody's missing pieces being held hostage. And I send all our customers little, the puzzle piece holding today's newspaper. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is the manufacturer's name on the box or is it your... No, it's me, yeah. So if the complaints come, they will come to the yetch.store and not to the puzzle maker. Because when you ask a person to build you something with a mistake in it, their reputation is at stake. Yeah, I am happily taking the PR hit for this one. But also, like, just to all listeners, it is very clear that this is an incomplete puzzle. We are not deceiving people. We're not selling it as a full puzzle. Like, it's a part of that it's... And I think I wrote a little ditty about it in the in the copywriting for it that once a puzzle loses one of its pieces, it loses most of its value. But this puzzle is intentionally incomplete and is therefore sold at full price. <laughs> Got it. That's good. Well, I like it. I like the whimsy in it. I also like the idea that you saw it all the way to the finish line. I don't know if you have this, but it seems like a very practical, you would have to kind of figure out your own way to do it. But with the name Yetch, it seems like the Yetch sketchbook should be coming. Oh, oh my God, Pat. I'm telling you, please make that the the gateway drug to get to all your other products. There is a special badge of honor you get when you come up with a pun on somebody's name that they have not thought of before or heard before. And you just hit me with that. So kudos well thank you there's absolutely no license fee you run with it so whether you call it a yetch book or a yetch sketchbook i really think that given the amount of people that you're inspiring think about what you would do with that how would you design that yeah the slogan for the store is like unique solutions to everyday problems and i'm wondering what an issue i have with my sketchbooks are yeah i would reinvent that think about those problems first and then design it to your taste and bring us all along on the ride. 
I was fascinated by mattress tags that say, do not remove under penalty of law. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's mm-hmm. for somebody who really wants to be risk taking. And I, I've been tearing them off of hotel beds and places that I have and collecting bags of these things oh my from God. all the travel. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what happened during the pandemic is that I took them to somebody and made a bedspread completely out of. No. Yes, okay. So to the listener. Pat is showing me a giant quilt that is only made out of the tags that say, do not remove this tag under the penalty of law. And it is beautiful and makes a wonderful sound when you're touching it. Yes, well, we we put it on a little bit of backing so it had something to hang on, but it looks hilarious because it looks like a quilt. And then you get close and you go, oh my God, it's do not remove under penalty of law tag. So this is why I knew when I started seeing your stuff that we were gonna do a heist together sometime. But this is what I really love. It's the most benign trolling. And that's what I feel (laughs) about with the puzzle as well. And with that, it's like, it's so harmless, but still feels really like wholesome devilry. Yeah, there's something about there being a smirk in it. This was a Halloween costume idea, probably even exists now, but it's an old sketchbook. This was the milk carton that you put over your face so that your face is missing. I have seen it and it's hilarious. Okay, I'm gonna say some of these are old sketchbooks. So what I actually like about that is that your ideas aren't so stupid when you go, oh, somebody else made a million bucks on it. I love that that's your takeaway rather than uh, I could have made a million bucks off of this <laughs> if I just put my day laborers to work. This was part from the uh, from the pool table couch days because in that apartment, I made a dresser set of drawers that pulled out into being a set of steps that would allow me to go up and get something on a high shelf. I got to say, it is such a waste that you don't know how to make these things. I'll teach you how to build things. Do you want to be my apprentice? I'll be your mentor. Here's what I'll do. I'll trade some marketing. I'll figure out some words to sell some things for you because I do love to, I I love to write and I love to sell. So yeah. um, this one I thought was kind of fun. Take an old television tube and make a fireplace in it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. The magical thing when you stumble into somebody whose brain works the same way as your own. It's fantastic. I had a fake company where I made some commercials for them called Above Industries. And Above Industries sold things like the Praying Hands Vice, where when you cranked it, it opened the hands up. <laughs> So if you were wood gluing a crucifix or making a nativity scene for the holiday season, you could get a helping hand. Jesus was a carpenter. He even knew it was good to have an extra hair of hands around the worker's shop. Uh, We did that, and we did Vatican Springs Holy Water, and we did the Last Supper TV dinner, which was a TV tray for 12 people to sit down to a meal. The commentary was... Make every supper your last supper. Right. (laughs) So the thing is, it's not meant to take a shot at religion or spirituality it was meant to take a shot at the people at the commercialization of religion or spirituality during the pandemic i was directing commercials that had to stop i had voiceover people i couldn't use i had animators i couldn't use and i said to them what's keeping us from making our own stuff up i'll write some stuff we made a hotel chain during the pandemic called the shelter inn it wasn't just any resort it was the last resort and it sold you all the amenities of your own house. So that was really fun. We made something called Biz Jammas, 
And that was business on the top, pajamas on the bottom, so that you could roll out of bed and be in a Zoom meeting, and they didn't know. They were fake commercials, but then they sort of became something. So big companies, Microsoft and other people, had us put them in their global live streams because everybody was doing Zoom meetings. And they were using our fake commercials and products. And then ultimately, there was a company named Tableau who liked BizJamas enough that they made BizJamas for their employees <laughs> and sent me a pair, right? And it was hilarious. It was, when that kind of thing happens, it's super fun just to see the thing living and breathing in its own sarcasm. I think it's also, it, it's just, it follows this ethos and something I try to remind myself of a lot of the time is like, if I find something interesting or if I find something funny, there are probably other people who do too. Actually putting your mental day labors to work to bring them to life, like it can bring so many unintended positive consequences and sometimes negative consequences, but mostly positive consequences. So you're telling me I can buy a well, no, the Bizjamas were made and given to their employees at Christmas. Because I had already hired the voiceover people and the animator, I could change it and I could make it brown and brown insurances Bizjamas. I customized each one and just relicensed it to them. And we we just still laugh at it because it actually found a home because what, what our fake commercials did made their Zoom meeting feel like television programming. And therefore, it wasn't just talking heads. There was a little, a, a little break on this idea. So we made fake energy drinks. We made all kinds of stuff. And the products were fake and the company was fake. But it was super fun to do. You know, one of the things when I'm writing, and I guess this is similar to when you're building and you put behind you the concern of the full outcome, diving in and just working and letting it reveal itself to you, is that when I'm writing, I, sometimes I think of it as sky writing. I'm leaving a trail of words and ideas behind me and I'm moving forward. I'm full speed ahead because I think, uh, and maybe you can speak to this as a perfectionist is that sometimes what holds us up is that editor coming into the process too early. I mean, you have the content badge of honor that you still have to make something all the time. So that keeps you moving forward, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I, I used to be a lot more critical of my ideas. And I think definitely if I go into other areas of creating, I get a lot more critical. Like if I ever try to make something really somber, then I get super self-critical. Like I remember I, w I went through some rough times and I was like, I really want to make something that like speaks to this and kind of reflects my experience. And I just could not get anything out. And the things I got out were terrible. But I think the the things that I create out of a sense of joy or like kind of chasing a joke and wanting to realize it, there's a surprisingly small amount of self-doubt in it because I'm also just making myself laugh. You have a good barometer what makes you laugh. And now that people know who you are, you're the curator of that. I know that sounds weird, but the fact is, is if you write to yourself as an audience, then it's already a satisfying result. I'm sorry, Pat. All I want is to come up with fake products now. Things just stick in your brain like a barb. And I feel like that brief just stuck in my brain. Okay. Well, here's what we'll do. When you make the Netflix special, you're going to need fake commercials in between your builds. And I will provide you all that content. I will happily do it. Great. Done. Hired. Do you have a playlist in your shop? Do you have specific things that you musically like you go to uh, when you're working or do you work with silence? What's your approach? It's, it's kind of, it's all over the place. Often I have to work in silence because we're filming. 
even if it's just set up for like what we would probably just use as a time lapse, it's like if something happens, I need to be able to pause. So I don't listen to music that much. I And it all depends on what my mental load is with the current step I'm at. Sometimes I'll, if I do listen to something, I'll listen to a podcast if I'm doing something that's really repetitive and I can kind of turn my brain off. Uh, but other than that, it's not music I'm proud of. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of Taylor Swift. Okay. It's just been, yeah, she's she's been my buddy during the pandemic. And a lot of the same playlists that I made in 2013 haven't evolved much since then. But isn't it comforting, though? It is, yeah. Sometimes when the world feels like a big and scary place, it's like there are definitely certain albums that I listen to and they kind of feel like a, a safety blanket. How much do you think that social media being the platform for you is the difference from being a wacky inventor in a workshop and being the personality you are because you are so open. I wouldn't call you an oversharer. I would just call you kind of an open book. The fact that I don't have a lot of secrets and that I don't have a lot of shame. I'm not easily embarrassed. I think definitely is the key aspect of, of being okay at being at, on social media. I think also it's as much as I can definitely share hard moments and being vulnerable like I don't share a lot about my personal life people don't know a lot about my everyday life I never vlog like I, I I went through some health problems and I shared a lot about that but that was also because like I wanted to scream it from the top of a mountain and I was too lazy to climb up a mountain so instead I just yelled <laughs> about it on YouTube well it was really actually quite a wonderful thing to see some of those and to see how you managed it and how afterwards you took some of the implements back and made your, was it a, considered a mask or what was it? So that? for the for the listener who hasn't been around, also known as most of you, I uh, had a brain tumor in 2018 and I had brain surgery and then I went through radiation treatment. When you go through radiation treatment, they kind of make you this like net mask to make sure that your head is always in the same position so that the rays hit the brain tumor and not the other parts of your brain. And after that, I, I got to keep my net mask. And this is one of the projects where I like, I feel like I made it from a place of sorrow and it is one of the worst projects that I've made. I just don't think I create very well from a, from a sad place. I create much better from a happy place. Right. It doesn't have the whimsy, for example, as the Google eye vest that you made. Oh yeah. Yeah. I made a, I made a shirt out of googly eyes. Yes. I, I made a vest once out of all pine air fresheners for a character in a play. Oh, that sounds so awful. It Ooh, is the I worst. Those. Even just one is too many. The reason it was the worst is it's too many of those in one place. The smell, insanely overpowering. And when I said to the costumer, she, she was in it for less than 15 minutes, and she said, I'm fabricating this out of green sponge. Like, we've got to get rid of these. It was so, it was like a porta potty at a pine saw factory or something. It just had like, an overwhelming pine scent. Speaking of porta potties, another project that I wanted to make, but that I haven't made, is I wanted to make a porta potty sauna. Because a good joke when you walk out of a porta potty at the height of summer is walking out of it and saying, "Ugh, worst sauna ever." <laughs> right. And I'm just imagining. I just wanted this clip of a porta potty door opening, and then there's like a man in like wrapped in a towel, and it's all like wood clad <laughs> on the inside. And then you can still see the steam coming out of the hole. Yeah, because it's also like, okay, you have a porta potty that you don't know what to use for because the construction or remodel of your house is over. Here, with our new remodel kit, add it to your list of fake products. Right. That's funny. Oh, another one. 
I wanted to make a executives like CEO bouncy desk. So, you know, like these like bouncy chairs that kids have that kind of have like little wheels yeah. under them. And I wanted to make that, but like make it out of like mahogany or like marble. And there's like a Rolodex and very CEO, stereotypical CEO looking uh, person in it. And then like market it as like a fitness thing. Like it's like one up from like sitting on a yoga ball. There are eccentric enough CEOs. You got to get the right Mark Cuban or somebody to sit in it once. And everyone's going to go, oh, I see. I'm burning calories while I'm doing my spreadsheet. Yeah, some thought leader needs to sit in it on the TED stage, and then sales will just be rolling in. Right. Well, you've invested a great deal of time with me today. I'm kind of feeling like I barely touched the funny bone or the inventiveness. I, I just wanted everybody who didn't know about you, which is a smaller number of people than do know about you, I wanted those people to be able to play catch up. I appreciate you sharing your creative process, your insights and inspiration, and particularly your future builds, which I know was vulnerable. I feel like we're going to be pen pals in an insane asylum at some point with all these great ideas. I mean, we could, we don't have to wait until then. Oh, we don't. Okay. I'm probably closer to that than you. So, well, hopefully they will let you bring your do not remove under penalty law blanket. That's all I need just to comfort me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to encourage these folks, some of the things we talked about, the puzzle and the everyday calendar and so forth, are available at the yetch.store. And it's Y-E-T-C-H. And my guest today has been Simone Yetch. And it's spelled just like it sounds, G-I-E-R-T-Z. Obviously, duh. My ancestors were trolls. It makes sense in no language that I have found so far. It's a beauty. So yetch.store go there and it's the future home of the yetch sketchbook yes cannot wait to come up with what that is i'm excited for it too thanks for listening take a moment to subscribe and we will hold your seat for more creative conversation and a weekly spark of inspiration our show is produced by sweetwood creative in austin texas with sound editing under the steady hand of tucker hazel our original music theme was written and sung by maya sharp with additional production support and sanity provided by Delilah Lovejoy, Tony Deo, and Diane Johansson. Please feel free to share your input or dash off a review on social media to help grow our creative community. You can find us on Instagram at Pat Hazel with two L's or visit our website at creativityincaptivity.fun. You heard that right. It's dot fun, as in cross your T's and dot your fun. Ciao for now. Staring at an empty page Stepping on a ghost stage